0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. New money is coming into this sector, so you don't want to try to trade in and out. Once you get a position, it's best to just hold it and and wait till this move matures.
1: This is Mining Stock Education, and I'm Bill Powers. Thanks for tuning in again today. Well, we're going to be getting an update from the Junior Miner Junkie, David earthley Website is JuniorMinerJunkie.com clearly people are getting more interested in the junior gold sector and that what that may present to speculators and investors this year and in the years to come. David, welcome back onto the show. Could we get your updated commentary on the action in GDX? It broke through that seven-year resistance. I think we talked about that in our last interview a month ago, and you said there was an upward target of 50 on gdx gdx is about 33 as we speak today uh what's your updated commentary
0: hi bill thank, thanks a lot for having me on the show again yeah it's uh the gdx uh, broke above that thirty thirty-two area on a monthly when it closed above 32 on a monthly basis that was a breakout of a seven-year base that's a very powerful cumulative base, and it ran up to the 37, 38 area, which, 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 which uh, had some resistance, and now it's, it's come back to test that 32 breakout area this morning. I think it got down to 32.50, and then it bounced from there. So um what tells me this this correction here is probably going to be shallow and it might even be over now is is the action of silver um silver has has created a flag it's 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 uh, been trading sideways and consolidating its move while the while the gold price has been correcting, so uh, and and also silver is continuing to lead with that gold silver ratio has has now crashed down below 100, and once it gets down to 80, I think that's when the juniors will really start to move.
1: You wrote an article last week, and it was in the article you said, "Be right and sit tight." So you're not a trader; you don't offer a trading service. I have had a couple more technical trader-oriented guests on the show in the last week, but that that's not your forte. Can you share with the listeners a little? More about your philosophy. Be right and sit tight.
0: Oh sure, Bill. Uh, You know it's it's the the junior sector has basically been in a bear market for about eight years now, eight nine years. Um, When you had the uh, the move in 2016 after the GDX was was sold down about 85% from twenty from uh, 2013, from the beginning of 2013 down to the end of 2015. You had a short cover-influenced move in, in the entire sector, and it took everything with it. And it brought in a lot of uh, new money. Into the sector, but it got overextended and it got ahead of itself. Uh, the, the gold price ran up and and, and tested strong resistance at thirteen seventy five, and um, the, the, the 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 GDX went up like I think it was like hundred and sixty percent in six months. So that move took about four years to consolidate. But at the same time, even though we had a handful of juniors do really well, the junior sector. Continue to go down, and a lot of these companies even went lower than their 2016 lows, even though the gold price broke out last summer. So basically, when, when you have a, a, a base like this, a seven-year base, a cumulative base, and a breakout from it, it's time to take your bear market hat, put it in the put it in the closet, and take out your bull market hat for mothballs that's been in there for quite a while and put that on your head. And basically, once you get a full positions to, to not trade in and out of them, because now it's a buy and hold market for the first time since since uh, 2000, 2009 to 2011, that was a buy and hold market. So now we have a buy and hold market for the first time in quite a while. And uh, what you want to do is you don't want to try to trade in and out while the GDX is in an impulse move. And the, the measured target of this impulse move is the 50 to $50 area. So your risk is to the upside, not the downside. Uh, like I said, we had a we had a, a test today of that 32 area. We had 32.50 it hit today. I think that's close enough. Sure, it, it could it could go lower still. I think that the risk to the downside is the 30 area, but the risk to the upside is the 50 area. And you're seeing a lot of hints, that uh, more hints of, of this uh, sector being sold out uh, as, as uh, the financings have really increased. We've got uh, a lot of bot deals coming in, and these bot deals have no warrants. So people are saying, get me in at any price and I don't even need a warrant for some of these deals. And and it's also going down the food chain. We're seeing these smaller micro caps getting financings. They're still having to attach a half warrant or a full warrant and sometimes even a three year warrant. But we are seeing these financings get get done and they're they're being filled up pretty quickly. So um, new money is coming into this sector. So you don't want to try to trade in and out. Once you get a position, it's best to just hold it and, and wait till this move
1: matures. What about the su- summer doldrums? Typically, with the seasonality of the gold sector, there's usually everybody sells in May and goes away vacations and then comes back in September. What are your expectations for this summer?
0: Well, I mean, uh, we pretty much had summer doldrums in, in <laughs> March. And they, they weren't really doldrums. They, it, was, it, was a, it was a summer panic, summer of panic. And that panic pretty much got out all the weekends. I mean, anybody that was going to sell sold. So um, these juniors now are very, very cheap. If you just take a look at the – I, I uh, posted a link in my, in my article, in my weekly uh, Kitco article on Friday, of the HUI to gold ratio. It double topped in 2006, and now it's double bottomed here uh, in mid-March. And ba- so basically what that chart uh, is, is saying is that even though the gold price – um, was in a bull market from 2008 to 2011. Uh, the, the, the gold shares have been in a bear market for 14 years, despite the fact that we had a bull run in the, in the gold price. So gold stocks are extremely undervalued here. So now that we've, we've had this breakout of this base in the GDX, and we've had it tested today, and we've had a, 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 a confirmation of, of a monthly close above that 32 area. It's and that uh, and the uh, the measured target is that 50 area. You don't want to try to get cute and trade in and out of these things because there's people on the sidelines that want to get in. Uh, momentum players are, have come into this sector now that they see this breakout. You're seeing um, these uh, these uh, these high-profile hedge fund managers are getting back in, into the gold space, and these guys want your shares. So, whenever there's you know, and you, what you usually see, and like you saw today and yesterday, you see these sharp corrections, but they're bought today's sharp correction was bought pretty quickly this morning. And, um, as long as that 30 area holds in the, in, in the GDX on, on a weekly closing basis, then, um, that that measured 50 target is still in play in, in the GDX.
1: We'll be right back after this word from our sponsor. Osino Resources is a Ross Beattie backed gold exploration company in mining friendly Namibia. Osino's district scale land package is situated near two producing gold mines, one of which Osino's management team previously developed and sold to B Two Gold. Osino's founders and management are experienced mining professionals who have already successfully developed and sold two companies in the past seven years. Osino has a tight share structure and with its current treasury it can self fund the advancement of its gold discovery into at least twenty. 2022. This is an exploration company with drills turning that you'll definitely want to pay attention to. osino Trades in New York under the ticker OSIIF and in Toronto under the ticker OSI. To learn more, go to oceanoresources.com. That's oceanoresources.com. What's some feedback that you've gotten from your subscribers that would be applicable to the greater listening audience right now?
0: I've got a lot of uh, very positive feedback. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm a tireless worker. I try to keep my, my uh, subscribers up to date on as much as I can of what's going on in the sector. And um, to try to keep them abreast of of what's happening on the news front, what's happening technically, uh, what's happening with with financings and what I'm seeing, like what I just told you, when you see uh, the silver price flagging here, while the gold price is is correcting kind of hard, that's very bullish. Um, and when you see the silver price continue to lead the gold price, that's very bullish. And you see um, the silver ETFs like SIL and SILJ have not corrected much at all during this correction as as silver is flagging for another move higher here.
1: I'd like to get your thoughts so you can share with uh, our listeners here how you approach investing in the, the junior resource sector. So Question is The first question is, if you see a gold company and they have a large controlling shareholder where he or she owns 50% or more of the company, is that a positive thing or a negative thing for you?
0: Well, it all depends on who that owner is. Um, I'd like to know um, how strong, you know, their ownership is, uh, what their intentions might be. So I might dig a little farther in, in, into who they are, what their background is, what their intentions are for the company. Do I, do I think they're going to end up buying it out? Do I think they'll they'll end up selling a lot of it in the open market, or or what have you? It's, when you see a when you see uh, an institution that has uh, a large amount of shares, you want to know what their intentions are.
1: What about a single asset producer? In a non-tier one jurisdiction, would you go for a single asset producer in a tier three jurisdiction?
0: Uh, right now, no, because there's still too much value as far as I'm concerned in, in tier one and even tier two jurisdictions right now. So there's no need to go down the, 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 the jurisdiction food chain just yet.
1: And I should point out, uh, part of what was behind my question is that when you have a single asset producer, there's more risk for you as the investor because if something goes wrong at that one project, there's not another cash flow opportunity within that company, and you could potentially lose most of or even all of your investment if things go really awry. So even a company like Bluestone Resources in Guatemala, I had Joe Mazumdar on the show uh, recently, and uh, he kind of surprised me that he's investing in Guatemala, but uh, you would not go into Guatemala right now. No,
0: uh, that's yeah, I, uh, that's, that's, that's a little too far down the jurisdiction food chain for me <laughs> right now.
1: When you're investing in a producer, what do you research in, in terms of their current and future production as it relates to what they have hedged? In what situation would you want to see them have some of their production hedged? And in what situation would you not want to see their produ- future production hedged?
0: Well, I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't want to see future production hedged right now. I mean, I've, I've been in this sector for 18 years now, and I've never seen a more bullish environment for the gold price. So um if anybody was hedging right now I, I wouldn't even uh, yeah I I I would definitely uh not want to invest in that company um but uh you know um as far as down the road you know when I think this 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 move has gotten overextended I I might I might uh, uh reevaluate reevaluate that but uh, right now I wouldn't I wouldn't want to invest in anybody that's hedged
1: There are many companies out there right now I can think of at least a few of them that are going to production, they're building their minds based on a, only a preliminary economic assessment. And for the listeners that aren't aware, that is the first public study that the company puts out about the economics of their ore deposit. From there, you do a pre-feasibility study and then a feasibility study. Then you raise the money and that whole process involves drilling, metallurgical tests to see if you can recover the minerals, all sorts of expenses and, and times and permits. So to jump from a PEA to building the mine, you're missing years of studies and millions of dollars. So, David, just as I clarified that, uh, would you invest in a company that's going from a PEA to production?
0: Yeah, some people did. In, uh, if you remember Rubicon Minerals, they did that. They, they fast-tracked it without a feasibility study, and that didn't turn out very well for them. So, um, yeah, uh, it all depends. It all depends on the management team. It all depends on, on the project. But uh, I would say probably not.
1: And then how can you, as an average investor, you know, uh, you're not a geologist, nor am I. So when we see SRK or somebody come up with a resource and then they model how they think the ore deposit is in the ground and the best way to engineer a mine around it, how could you or I be certain that they've done the best due diligence because we've just heard Rob McEwen recently Say that the people that did our resource estimate got it wrong, and it's cost us greatly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. You know, then, like, like you said, you know, you or I are are not a geologist, but I'm I'm fortunate to have um, geologist uh, acquaintances and and colleagues that I can that if, if if I'm if if I if I have issues with something, I'll go to them and I'll say, what do you think? You know, I try to get as many people that know. Um, that know much more about these things than I do, and get their opinions.
1: And then it would be that third-party validation, like even the the funds or the type of investor that you see investing in the company, would that be part of that whole third-party recommendation, where you assume that they did their due diligence and paid the consultants to analyze the company technically?
0: Right, absolutely. But again, in the in the uh, in the case of of Rubicon a few years ago, you know, they even they even pulled the wool over. Um, royal gold's eyes and got them to pony up a bunch of cash. So, you know, nothing's, nothing's ever certain. You know, you can, you can have s- much smarter people than you come into something and, and, you know, and lose money also. So you just have, there's so many variables that, that you have to assess. I mean, th- and this is why I don't put too much money into one single company. You know, I don't put any more than three or 4% of my investment capital into one single company, no matter how good it looks it's funny uh so many times uh over the past you know 18 years that i've been doing this the sure things are the ones that so 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 often it's the sure things are are the ones that have something happen to them that's unforeseen
1: in your 20 years of being in this sector when a company has gone from multi-dollars per share to zero like you mentioned rubicon or red eagle mining in Colombia a few years ago where everybody loses virtually their whole investment have you ever seen a clash action lawsuit that actually recouped a significant amount of money for investors in this sector? No. <laughs> no. So your <laughs> money's gone forever.
0: It's, it's caveat mTOR you know, it's, you know, uh, to the nth degree in this sector, I mean, you just gotta, you just gotta really be on your toes and do as much due diligence as you possibly can. And even after, even after you've done that, you could still lose a lot of money. I mean, you just have to, you have to babysit the, 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 uh, the chart, you have to babysit the company, you know, constantly talk to management, get updates. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's a lot of work. Um, this is why, uh, I, I, I don't like to invest any more than any more than 30 companies at once, which is quite a lot. You know, and I do this professionally and and I spend anywhere from 40 to 60 hours a week working. So um, that's that's how much time you have to put into it to keep on top of that many companies. Um, And as far as I'm concerned, you have to be in that many companies to mitigate to to mitigate your risk, to spread out your risk to be successful.
1: When you're talking to somebody maybe at a barbecue or uh, your son's gathering and another parent and you're introducing what you do and they're interested or they're intrigued and they ask you for a stock pick, are you just going to tell them to buy GDXJ or Sandstorm? What would be <laughs> your recommendation, if any?
0: Well, first of all, I'd love to go to a function where there's other people right now. <laughs> right, you're not allowed
1: to, you're in California.
0: <laughs> but. Um... I mean, that's that, that's a great question. I've had that question before. And any time I tell them uh, of a stock that I think is that, – that, that would it would be a good speculation, of, which would be a lower risk speculation, I, I preface it with, you know, the, the sector I'm in is is extremely risky. And I wouldn't invest in any money that you have unless you, you can afford to lose it.
1: Dave, a question I had from a listener was um, – the listener is bearish on base metals – bullish on precious metals, and likes the royalty companies. So his question related or dealt with, I should say, concerns about having too much base metal exposure in a precious metal royalty play. Uh, do you research the extent of base metal exposure in the uh, royalty companies that you invest in?
0: Yes, um, I do. And I don't think there's anything wrong with a little base metal exposure, because this is a great time to be investing in in some base metal exposure in in a royalty play. A, because um, it's diversified from whatever they have in gold and silver and precious metals, and it's not going to hurt much as as the base metals are still probably going to going to be weak here for, for, for uh, probably at least until the end of the year. But um, absolutely, you want to make sure that there, there's not too much exposure to base metals. But um, I think um, it's, it's a good time to be looking around for, for companies that have some exposure to, to base metals. But like I said, not too much.
1: Would you invest in a mining company that was owned by a government? We see Chinese state-owned companies, or we see Kazatoprom uh, in the uranium sector. Are these companies at all attractive to you?
0: Well, in some jurisdictions, um, you want to make sure the government owns some of it. Um, but you you want to make sure that, that the company that you're investing in owns at least 70 to 80% of it. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, If the government owns it, then that's going to safeguard you from from any from any confiscation issues or or any other issues that that governments might try to pull once the gold price really starts to zoom higher, because that's what we're going to start to see. You know, we're going to start to see um, these companies, these 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 countries raising royalties and probably and, you know, and and, and maybe some more confiscation issues or or what have you, because as these metals price prices rise, they they see they see basically the gold mine in the gold mine. And uh, you just want to make sure that, that you're not in, in, in countries that are that are going to start confiscating things and start raising the royalties that don't have a history of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, if 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 a government owns too much of a project, then no, I would definitely stay away from it.
1: On the idea of confiscating gold mines, uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of Mayor Katusa's recent teaching that if he's teaching that there's only about 15 jurisdictions to invest in, only invest in countries that have U.S. swap lines for the U.S. dollar with the Federal Reserve because there could come a time if they're short U.S. dollars that they would confiscate the, the gold mines in order to get the gold in the countries. Would you agree with that thesis?
0: I think that the U.S. dollar would really have to scream a lot higher for that to happen. Um, I, um, but, uh, but, but but basically it boils down to your, your earlier question, Bill, about jurisdictional risk. You know, uh, I just don't think it's it's a good idea to to invest in these higher risk jurisdictions right now when there's so much value in the lower risk jurisdictions. And the lower risk jurisdictions have swap lines.
1: Okay. What about China and Silvercorp Metals? If someone's looking at that company, a Canadian company in China producing silver, any thoughts here?
0: I, 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 I won't touch anything in China. Um, no. Um, and Silvercorp, you know, I mean, there's a reason why they're the lowest cost silver producer it's because they pay their you know they pay their employee they pay they, they pay their miners like a dollar an hour i can't i can't morally invest in something in, in a company like that
1: david's website is JuniorMinerJunkie.com. he offers a free email list you can have his weekly commentary and writing form emailed to you every friday evening or afternoon depending on where you live so go over there and sign up as always david thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insights thank you Bill. thanks again for having me